Crimson Tower Studios. Welcome to the Old World Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and the original podcast to bring both discussion and actual play in 4th edition. I'm one of your hosts, Lance, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Steve and Matt. How are you gentlemen doing tonight? Doing quite well, Lance. Excited to talk about some Warhammer as always. Now that we finally have the finished, polished PDF in front of us, it's making things a lot easier. I'm doing well as well, and yes, uh, this new rulebook is beautiful. Agreed. Uh, I am definitely excited. We got a lot to get into tonight, but uh, real quickly, I did want to touch base. Uh, what kind of gaming you guys been up to? Uh, you know, I've been kind of busy, so not too much gaming, but I'm still doing my Final Fantasy 15. Oh yeah, Battle we got to talk about two, that. Now that they've added a couple things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've also been building some 40k models, getting ready to paint. So it's a process. I'm trying to find time. <laughs> yeah, right. Timely process. I have kind of jumped back into playing some computer games from my past. Specifically, I'm in the middle of Act Three in uh, Diablo Two, which yes. is such a solid game. Played that too many times. Yeah. And while I still play board games all the time, my most anticipated game coming out soon is Red Dead Redemption Two, for console systems hmm. so excited about that i can't even tell you it looks really good uh, uh, yes oh, yes i love western you, you plan on picking it up oh yeah oh man mm-hmm. well we'll talk because okay. so. <laughs> it looks so good <laughs> it i it's, and it's funny you mentioned final fantasy 15 because i just got like all the downloads for all the side stories like the ignis story and all that and i've actually beat 15 but i haven't played any of those and i've gotten the bug lately like i need to get in yes. and do that so and you know there's a co-op so we I can do. play over the internet together on that game. You know that, right? On the line? On the together? line. Together? On, <laughs> on the line. I think we need to do that. So anyway, nice. I honestly, I've been just prepping and playing 4th edition. That's pretty much the only gaming I've managed to get in, which, hey, yeah. I guess that's not a bad thing. Right. So yeah, it's a big deal. I've created it's a lot good. of characters. It's yeah. not like you're you're wasting your time doing something. It's, right. it's good. They did a good job. Awesome. All right, let's move on. So I guess, really, we we're going to have a new section here, but the news is, hey, the preview copy is no longer needed because we have the actual copy. So Hooray. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess there is a little bit of news. I mean, not much, but on the last page of that actual copy, we got a little teaser. Yeah, the Rough Nights and Hard Days, Five Grim and Perilous Scenarios by Mr. Graham Davis. Excellent. I did not realize that Graham was going to be like the sole author on this. So me neither. I, I, I'm I not I'm, complaining. Yeah, no, me neither. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm excited about that. So I can't wait to see the enemy within. And of course, this. Oh man, uh, we also heard online too that they're expecting to announce even more products once either the starter set comes out. And I don't know if that means PDF or what. I mean, they're saying the PDF they've, will come I was out this say, month. They've, yeah, they've made it pretty clear that. The starter set is moving along nicely, so hopefully yeah. that means we'll have it before too long. Right, and Andy Law's doing a full map of Ubersreich, which, I mean, he's the guy that did the Reichland map, and I don't think we've been online since that Reichland map. Oh my goodness. I don't know if there's a word for mapophile, but it's definitely what I am. And oh, it's like cartographile, right? Is it really? Okay, cool. You but- missed your calling, Lance. I think you should just quit everything and become a cartographer. <sighs> I would love that. <laughs> 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 no, anyway, I just love that map. That map is so, so cool. And they've been dropping hints that they might be doing a poster version of it. Oh, uh, you yes. know, I cannot wait. I'm so, I want to. That kind of quality and detail, I want the whole Warhammer world done that way, and I will put yes. it all over my walls. Oh, yes. Yeah, I was just going to mention that uh, I viewed the map for a good, like, 30 minutes last night, kind of getting zoned into it, and I kept on zooming in and in. And I'm like, look at all these side roads, little little yeah. towns without names. I was like, it's just, just it's perfect. It's, it's, not, like, it's, like, every, it's like Google Earth, but... Right, a fake map that exactly. doesn't right. isn't a satellite picture. Right, and the and the map's so good. Like even the rivers are named where I don't think I had a heck of a time finding names of rivers, like some of the smaller ones. And now now I can find them. I'm very excited. Even the I don't know about you guys, but one of the things I was the first thing I looked for when I looked at this map was for the crooked corridor, which is like this one foot wide ledge through the mountain pass hmm. or whatever that is mentioned in the core rulebook. 
And I'm like, it's not on any map. Oh, it's on this map. Wow. Yeah. So I'm excited. That's like, man, I want to have an adventure on that corridor. Yeah. Talk about your character falling to his death. Yeah. Well, that's going to happen then. I'll make sure it happens. Like, oh, you want to use two of those fate points? No. He'll keep those in his pocket all the way to the ground, and he's dead. Man, I was just so surprised at the detail, because when I first looked at the map, I thought it was the Empire. Yeah, no, like, and then like, I was like, "Oh, just Reichland!" I'm like, "Holy lord!" <laughs> Gives wow. you some perspective on the the scale of right yes, how big the, world. the empire yeah, also, is. Yeah, I mean, we're we could be recording a whole episode about maps. Like we, that could oh, be like our fifth no, no, discussion not, episode would be maps. Not could will will yeah that we will have a discussion about maps and how that'll work into your your story. Oh. Anyway. So tonight's show is all about the fourth edition Pedia. We've already given our first impressions very briefly in our two Gen Con episodes, but that was an appetizer. Tonight's episode is the main course. Now that we've had time to digest the entire rulebook for a bit, we're going to dig a bit deeper. We originally intended to do one episode on this, but after we've worked through 12 plus pages of show notes, we realized that there was no way. So we've broken this up into three different episodes essentially splitting the core rule book into three different sections. And we're just going through chapter by chapter to give you thoughts, impressions about the new rules and different things as we dig in and kind of give you our review and background. So join us tonight as we review, give our opinions, and most likely lose ourselves in the sacred tome that is Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 4th Edition. Let's get started with, I guess, the beginning. Guys, the introduction is a good place to start. Right. <laughs> well, basically, the beginning, um, it tells you about role-playing games and how to use this book. Uh, it's a great start. If you're brand new to the role-playing world, it, it's a perfect start. For those that have played for a while, it's, you might want to breeze through this, but the content's so nice for everything that just read through it. Yeah, there's a lot in um, there. There's little little bits of lore. and mm-hmm. I feel it. Like, sorry. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, I anytime I bust out a, a new role-playing game that I'm not familiar with, don't don't assume that there's not good information that are in those little sections. Right, right. And it uh, pretty much at the very beginning, it tells about being the game master um, and the heroes, and the, you know the game master describes the world and what's what's happening within your games. The other part is like player focus points are in the front. Um, then it goes to a Grumman's letter on the Empire. This is so and, cool. And this part here is kind of a note from a magister to a duke's like a- son. So basically, it's Magister Alana Grimar of the Great Order. And basically, the Duke to the Sun. Basically, the Sun is stationed at a border prince's um, area, and he must come back home to Altdorf. So so his life of being safe and protected and playing knights is done. And she's basically saying that, hey, it's, uh, it's time to come back home. There's some realities to the Empire. It's not safe. What you think your life is, it's going to change drastically. So she's basically telling the young heir that the border prince is not like the empire. It's time to move on. And she gives some good points, some great points on what he should expect on his it, way back. It's a great primer, too. Yes. Like, So the first thing I recommend anyone that's like, oh, I'm going to play Warhammer for the first time. I don't really know the setting. Obviously, I'll point him towards episodes one through four of the Old World podcast is a great primer. But to like get a good in-character kind of overview of what it means to be in the empire specifically this little like three page letter is just gold it's yeah it's sure is. we I, could i think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the artwork that's in those few pages as well because yes yes it's very good and helps really set the scene of kind of what to expect and also lance i know that you and i have had a discussion about gming that even looking at a single piece of art can inspire an entire adventure Oh, for and sure. And it has in your case, right? Yeah. Oh, it absolutely has. So this tower that I'm looking at uh, at the very beginning, which is my favorite piece of artwork in the entire book, where you got the the dwarf walking down the mountain with the snow tower. Love it. That's a John Hodgson piece. I went and confirmed that. It is just, it is beautiful. By far my favorite. In fact, uh, the, uh, the episode we're running in actual play roughly started here right yeah like oh tower in the mountains yep <laughs> right. that's where we're going <laughs> so yeah no it's, it's definitely really awesome and the artwork there's a lot of great artwork pieces at the beginning too i mean throughout the book but they had some full page spreads right in the beginning that are beautiful yep all right moving on we get to character creation and talking about characters which is always going to be one of the first places you want to start character creation is broken up into i believe nine different steps total and going through it, we've only collectively 
made. I know Steve, you and I have only made a character each. We've made two, right, with your your servant. Yeah, Lance, you made a bunch of them, but oh yeah, a bunch. it's it's not wildly different than what you'd expect, really. Yeah, and the changes from the preview copy and the actual thing here are pretty minimal for character creation, right? Yeah. So, and I I love it. Me yep. too. So the characters that you can pick from in this game are the humans, which if you're randomly rolling, you're going to get a human 90% of the time. Which I should mention, this is technically a Reichland human, sure. which just makes me giddy with excitement for the additions to come. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yep. So you got a 90% chance of getting a human, a 4% chance of getting a halfling, four for a dwarf, and then one each on a high elf and a wood elf. So likelihood of being an elf slim that is, if you're just going based on the role. There's a sentence in here that I, I highlighted because I want to read it. If you choose to keep what you roll on getting a character, you're going to gain extra XP. And uh, in, the, in the book it says, you may receive bonus experience points for choosing to accept random outcomes, as if the dark gods of chaos themselves applaud your acceptance of random chance. I thought that was just a great sentence. Oh, it's a great awesome. Line. There's a very vocal community online that talks about random character creation is the only way to go for for Warhammer and stuff. And to an extent, I I think that's good. But also enjoying the game and playing what you love is good. And one of the things I think uh, I wanted to mention, too, the bonus for like career and class and stuff are are a little bit higher than the bonus for the race. The race is only 20 XP, which... I can tell you, after only playing a few sessions of the game, that's nothing. Effectively nothing. Yeah. yeah I mean... Like two points on a skill, one point on a characteristic. Not even one. It's yeah. 25 it's, yeah. Yeah, for a characteristic. So, yeah. yeah. I, it's just a nice little bonus, but like, hey, man, if you want to play a dwarf, I mean, you're an adventurer. Right. So, what uh, I yeah. Say, yeah. Your odds of actually rolling a dwarf are so slim that if you really yeah. want to play a dwarf, I, I would choose dwarf because yes. it's just not... I mean, it can happen. Right. Yeah, but. and it... Anytime you're playing a role-playing game, it's all about having fun. Right. If you're playing a character that you hate, just make a new character. Right. 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 Rework it. Oh, right. this person who was a dwarf? Well, you're not a dwarf anymore. Or it's Warhammer. Let your GM know, hey, I want my character to die. And be and the GM will be like, here we go. Let's yep. make it glorious. <laughs> or so you set foot out of your, your homestead in the middle of the night, and an orc just cut your head off. You're dead. Right. Or drive by arrow. <laughs> right. Drive by arrow. <laughs> like, where'd right. that come from? Gallop yeah. by right. arrow. That's great. Uh, and one of the beautiful things of this part, too, is that you, you roll first and then decide, right? So it's built. Yeah, I really want to be a dwarf. Well, roll. Try Maybe it, yeah. you'll get a dwarf, and that's an extra 20 XP just because you rolled. <laughs> so, Yeah, absolutely. Right. So in breaking down the different races in the book, you've got some, some great artwork of each of the different races, of course, <laughs> uh, male and female. A couple paragraphs that talk about a little bit of their history. This doesn't dig in super deep, but it gives you a couple paragraphs on what to expect about who your your species is, where they're from, the things they do. And I mentioned this in our first impressions of the book, but the opinions section where it talks about if you're looking at a human, it'll tell you what the human's opinion is of a dwarf or a halfling or a high elf or a wood elf. That's invaluable to a new player. If they don't know the Warhammer world, that is such a great place to get a little bit of knowledge. That's definitely one of my favorite favorite portions of that. So moving on to the classes, there are... Eight different classes, and again, you can get bonus XP if you choose to roll and just keep what you roll. Uh, and again, this is broken down based on the different species that you're picking. So uh, another great thing that I love in rule books, this will be the first installment of Things Matt Loves in Rule Books, and it is <laughs> tables. Yeah, This rule book is full of them. And at a glance, you can very easily see what classes are available, classes and careers are available for each of the different species which is really nice. Right. It's interesting that you you actually roll up a career and then your your class, you don't roll a class and then roll a career. You could certainly do it that way if you wanted. Yeah, technically you're rolling a career right. that falls into one of the eight classes. Right, exactly. Steve, I believe you're going to talk a little bit about careers or classes a little bit later on. Correct, yep. Okay. So once you have your class, career and class picked, next up on the list is to build in your attributes, which... In most cases, for each of the different attributes, uh, weapon skill, ballistic skill, strength, toughness, initiative, agility, dexterity, intelligence, willpower, and fellowship, it's going to be 2d10 plus 20 to get your base characteristic. That's most often the case with, across the different species. However, if you're an elf, you get, I believe it's 80 total 
points uh, above what uh, starting above what say a human gets, which is fascinating. And we've actually experienced that quite a bit in our first adventure that we've right. played, where the elf succeeds all the time, always it's <laughs> on every roll. Wonderful. Basically, it's just elf. Like, oh, you. This is a very important check. You can all roll and. Conrad, you and I, Steve, you and I look at each other like, eh, we don't need to roll. We'll just let uh, let Janet roll. Yeah. Right, right. Well, and this is an interesting thing you bring up because I think to date that might be the largest thread on the Facebook group for fourth edition is just elves. And sure. Are they overpowered or whatever? For- well, it, I mean, they even balance it a little bit in here because elves don't start with fate and fortune points or they don't have any base ones that they start with. You have to put the extra points that you have into that during character creation. And you only get two. Right. Which is very interesting. So as a human, I have two fate, uh, which in turn is also two fortune, one resilience, which is also one resolve, but I've got three extra points I can put into those. So I've got a total of six across all those instead of only two. So in a sense it does balance out, but yeah, we've, we've seen firsthand that elves are very powerful. Also, I should mention uh, again that there's there's ways to gain bonus XP when you're doing the character creation. When you're de- uh, deriving your attributes, you can just roll. Uh, so for every one of the different characteristics, uh, you roll 2d10, add whatever the bonus is to that. In most cases, again, it's 20. Sometimes it can be up to uh, 40, I believe. Uh, if you just take what you get the first time, just your roll, you get an extra 50 XP. If you choose to take all of the roles that you have and rearrange them to go into the different categories, you can do that and get 25 extra XP. Or you can choose that you just want to completely re-roll, or you can choose to distribute 100 points into the different characteristics, which, which is another option that you can choose. Now, I have yet to do this, and I need to do it one of these times just to see, but man, I just... I don't think I've ever made a character where I didn't just accept the roles that that were there. Like, great, you're going to be a soldier and your weapon skill is not great. All right, I'll deal with that. That's, sure, that's right? the type of soldier I'm going to be. <laughs> but that's just like my style. I could certainly understand someone using the 100 points I, version, um, but I don't know anyone that has yet. I'm sure several people have. But I think for us, our first characters, we've played enough to know, played enough Warhammer to know how it's going to play out, but just to get a, a feel for it in the beginning and to get some extra XP is never a bad idea either. For sure. Yep. Moving on, we get to talk about skills and talents a little bit. So the skills and talents, every character or every class has uh, several starting skills and talents as well as your career. So every career in the game so far has a sheet that goes through all the different abilities and uh, skills and talents that you start with. In addition, depending on your species, you also will get specific skills and talents. In addition to that, there's a table. Again, I love tables, a table that you roll on to get random talents, which is always super fun. That for me, one of my favorite things about creating a character is seeing the quirks that they have based on what they roll. So the, the character that I rolled for our actual play is an entertainer and can sing really well. That came up randomly, and now I need to figure out how I can use that to my advantage. That's just one of the many fun little things that you can add in with uh, rolling randomly for character creation. Yeah, I love the random talents there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Cool. Um, The humans get the most of them, three, which I think is cool. All right, next up we're going to talk about trappings, which are the items and clothing and weapons and even potentially other characters or animals that you start with trappings are going to be based both on your class and your career. We get to the career sheet that actually breaks down all the trappings that you start with as well as what trappings you may need in order to level up to go to the next tier on your career. The next section on character creation is adding detail, which is things like your name, your eye color, your height, all interesting things that can help add detail, add to how you picture your character, or even if you decided to draw or do artwork for your character, those are all things that are going to influence that. And yet again, there's tables galore in this section where you can roll out for, you know, breaking down an elf's name into three different sections. This is my favorite part of this section. I think. Oh yeah. Cool. I wish there was like a dwarf random in an empire. Like I wish there were random tables for like all the, 
and actually, I admit I'm a fanboy, but there are things that I wish were done a little differently. And the name list is one of them. And I think I might have mentioned this in our initial thoughts, but there are not nearly as many names here as there were in second edition. And I just feel like limited. Like I've probably made more characters than there are human names already mentioned in this book. And also some of the things where they're talking about, well, this is the version for different last names. Like, man, I wanted more there too. So hopefully maybe we'll see something like that in further Empire source books. Right. Well, I don't know. There there are people out there too who will help develop expanded character creation. And you keep in mind too, a quick Google search, you'll find a name generator for all sorts of different all sorts and, of different worlds. And that's true. And I did that too. I did that for some of my Yeah. It's yeah. it's not as quite as nice as having it right in the book where you can keep going off of it, but I know that's that's how I developed the character the name for my character was just a quick generator online and did a couple until I found one I liked and just rolled with it. Uh, so in addition to name and eye color and, and height and all that, you've got age in here. And again, all those things just add to how you picture your character in your mind's eye, which is really fun. Right. And these are all like super optional anyway. Like it doesn't, there's no mechanical difference between right. your age versus a different age. So, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Only how you would play that character. Right. So <clears throat> one thing that does have a mechanical function within the game is ambitions. So you have as a character, you have an ambition, which is what you're hoping to achieve. And these are broken up into both short-term and long-term ambitions, both of which upon achieving will grant you significant experience, short-term ambitions, not as much. That's going to be not nearly as some, you know, something that will take as long. It'll take time to accomplish for sure, but not like a long-term ambition of, you know, owning a bunch of property or accumulating uh, massive wealth or defeating a giant monster or dragon or something. I love this. This is probably one of my favorite parts of the new character creation. And I also, as a GM, it is one of the hardest for me to get around, right? Because it's a great tool and fodder for a GM. And you want to be careful what you allow your players to do, you know, because you want to be able to give them the opportunity to complete these. But it's a great story-driven way that has a mechanical benefit too the because you get xp when you mm-hmm. when you right. complete them so and for the long-term stuff gets significant which includes not just xp but like other options as well like retirement and all yep. that yep that's aspect that i love too you know it's like when you're not actually playing with your group there's that between quests you know for your ambitions you can kind of do something that maybe, yeah. maybe i broke off from the group so i got to get this ingredient for sure. my ambitions in the future and yeah kind of knock that out in the downtime yep and and that's a great thing too with the groups that you play with if you have somebody who can't make it or a couple people that can't make it but you're already set up and ready to go if one of the players is able to come and sit down you could do a, a session with just them where they're they're working towards an ambition or something like that just another great way to get story hooks as a GM. When I hear that somebody has a certain ambition, I know that, Hey, at some point in this adventure, I want to throw this little thing their way. See if they react to it. See if, you know, they pick up on the fact that, Oh, this would help achieve my ambition. And if they do a, that's a great role player and B, you could always reward them with some experience. So in addition to your own ambitions, there's also party ambitions, which are very fun too. a great way to, give your party some cohesion with each other so that they have a common goal that they're trying to accomplish again, by completing a long-term party ambition, which could be something like construct a castle or eradicate a tribe or legion of orcs or uh, goblins that are nearby something significant. A it's going to mean you get a crap ton of XP, but you could also potentially retire a character at that point, which is really a, a very fun concept to me that this this player doesn't just die at the end of the day, they retire and now they're in that world. And they could be a quest giver or they could be somebody who could accompany you or, or something along those lines. Right. Definitely awesome. And also great tools. This is good stuff for the GM and the players. Right. Uh, next up is bringing your character to life, which is developing a backstory, influencing their ambitions and things with questions such as where are you from? What is your family like? What was your childhood like? These are all for the players. Well, I shouldn't say all for the players. This is primarily for the players to be able to develop a backstory for a character and see how they feel about things, where they are in life, what their attitude is like towards different things. But it's also great, again, for a GM, because I know when I GM, if somebody mentions uh, an interesting 
situation that happened in their past, that's a great way to tie that into a story as well. Like if they, you know, if they had a, an old boss that they got into a fight with or a rival from when they were younger, maybe this rival comes back into play. And those are all, all great sources for information for both players and GMs alike. Right. And it can also feed your choices too. Like you might come up with these 10 questions and then decide to go back and be like, so I want to change my talent choices because to fit more in line with, you know, or your talent choices might help inform your background too. So it could go right. both ways. Yep. All just trying to develop a whole personality and persona for these characters that you create. Uh, the last thing in this section is the advancement, which we won't dig in too deep on these, but there are two main ways to spend your experience as you go through. One is improving your characteristics and skills. The other one is improving or improving talents or completing careers, uh, changing careers. So improving the characteristics and skills are all based on the number of advances that you've already had in that. Uh, It's broken down by fives. So from zero to five advances, you're paying a certain amount. Once you hit that fifth advance to go up to six, and then from six to 10 is going to be a little bit more. So realistically, you could improve your characteristics and skills up to a pretty significant level, but you get to a certain point, you're going to be paying through the teeth with experience. At that point, it might not be worth it. It's also worth noting, too, that in order to go from one tier to the next in your career, you have to have uh, certain requirements for advancements. Right, for sure. Probably also take a second and talk a little bit about the character sheet. Between when we first started researching for this episode, we were using the old character sheet that was part of the beta rules, if you will. The new character sheet basically has all the things on it that we're looking for. There's a few things that are missing in the beta that they already added and fixed uh, for the final version corruption. of it. Corruption was the big one. Yep, corruption. But, uh, I mean, really, as far as character sheets go, it's it about is. what I expect. Right. It's got everything we need. There are sections that you're not going to use. Some characters would never even worry about, but others definitely will. So it's all there. It looks good. It's simple to use. And just as a note for anybody who's getting into role-playing, use a pencil on those because <laughs> pencils have erasers, pens don't. Right. You don't want to get through the very end of character creation, realize you made a mistake and realize that you can't fix that mistake. All right. Now to get on to class and careers, basically in, in the book right now, uh, there's eight classes and in each class there's eight careers. Um, I'm going to go over some examples. I'm going to list off a class and a couple examples of the careers in each one of them. First class is academics. Uh, examples. You can be an engineer or a physician. Uh, next one is burgers. Thinking about uh, being an agitator or investigator? Yeah, I think burger is like your standard townsfolk, right? Like, townsfolk, a, like a, yeah. what would be yeah. a middle class, mm-hmm. just your, your average working person. Uh, courtiers. Now, this is where you can be like a noble or a spy or an advisor. Uh, kind of the top tier kind of characters. Yes, like specialized skills that, that your average person doesn't have. Uh, we, go, we drop way down to peasants. <laughs> right. You could be like a miner or a herbalist. Uh, to move on, uh, the class of rangers. This is nice. You could be a bounty hunter or witch hunter. I feel like rangers has some of the most interesting or the kind of stuff that you'd play in like a video game, right? Nobody plays a video game to be a, uh, I don't know, boat captain or a huffer <laughs> or a, yeah, Steve Dorr or a huffer or yeah. you want to be a bounty hunter or a road warden. Right. I Part of me so badly wanted to just pick road warden instead of rolling it because i just that sounds so much fun Hmm. just walking in town and realizing that you are you are the law you are the law and i i literally would name that character some amalgamation of the words judge and dread because (laughs) come on that's that's all i can think of when i think of road warden the next class is river folk uh it's pretty explanatory you can be a boatman or like a wrecker or a smuggler that's interesting. Wrecker is like a pirate for all of those that might not know yeah. that. So. Uh, we go down to rogues, the class of rogues. Uh, you could be like a charlatan, a grave robber, outlaw. And our last one is warriors. Now this is where you get all, of course, your warriors. Uh, cavalryman, knight, pit fighter, soldier, so on. So uh, bring it back. We got eight classes, eight different careers in each class. Uh, that's a lot to work with. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yep. And, and as a reminder too, each career has four different tiers within that career. So 
there's a lot there. I do also want to mention, and I, this is one thing that I absolutely adore about this book and a huge complaint I have about other role-playing game books is that for every career that's in this game, there is a full single full page that has the title information you need to know about that character or about that career, all their stats, all their skills and everything, and a piece of art for them. Because if I'm a GM, I don't expect that all my players are going to own this book, but I do expect that they know about their characters. So if they're going to play a noble or if they're going to play a wizard or a huffer, I can print that page out, give it to them, and then that's all they need to worry about. I feel like every time I hear the word huffer, I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) And like Matt was saying, every uh, career has four different levels per career. You know, as you advance, you know, maybe if you're... If you start off with the noble class, of course, you're going to start off a scion. Then you can upgrade yourself to noble and so on and so forth. Yep. Um, advancing through your career, everything is purchased by experience points. So everything's vital in that regard. When you get your career, you get uh, characteristic advances, uh, skill advances, and talent advances. Every, like, like I said, everything is based on experience. So depending on what you get, you know, the lower level you start off with, the cheaper it is as you go up more expensive certainly easier to go from level one to two than it is to go from two to three and so on uh but don't feel that once you pick a career you're stuck in it you can definitely change careers uh there's multiple ways to do it you can complete a career and it's time to move on you still retain um, your talents and things like like that but it's time to move on to something new you can move to the next level of your career of course like i said from scion to noble as an example if maybe if you just don't like your current career, you know, you rolled randomly, you stuck with it, you just don't like it in the end, yeah. uh, you Lance, can Lance, choose to move. If you don't like being a huffer, be, be something different. That's just going to cost I you 200 XP. I like the huffer. Exactly. <laughs> Huffer's kind of cool, actually. <laughs> um, what's interesting is, you know, based off of what GM you have, you know, you might be in a situation where you start off with something like a smuggler, but maybe a change in events in the storyline, you become a herbalist somehow. Sure. Amazingly, you know, it could happen. You get stuck in a weird spot. Yeah, think, think about it like your own life, right? Like a midlife yeah. crisis or, you know, some of that happens where you decide, hey, this isn't what I want to do. Or Tuesday. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Every career has a status. You know, every level, I should say, in a career has a specific status. There's tiers and standing. If you're the lowest status, basically think of yourself as bronze. You know, that's how much you're making. You're the lower rung, maybe a peasant. Yep. A level one peasant. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It goes up to silver and gold and... Actually, like with everything, interest is really important. Is uh, <laughs> like the beggar at the lowest level. The beggar starts with brass zero. Like it, it's like the only career in the entire book that has is like Literally essentially nothing. no no starting money. You don't get anything. right. Like, but you but you can beg. Yeah, and and that's how. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, determining your status in the game, and, and by status, I mean how do people view you? How do they take you in court? Uh, is is a baron going to take your word for it, or is he going to think, oh, you're you're nobody? Why should I right. trust you? Yep. Um, you know, Most- that's based off of, uh, you know, your brass, silver, and gold uh, s- statuses. Um, yeah, that also influences yeah. how much money you, you start with in between adventures. Yep. That you just, just by being this person and their holdings and their, their professions, you're going to have a certain amount of income. Yep. And uh, as, as you browse through the book, you'll see like maybe it says silver four. It means that when it's time to get paid, you get four silver sh- shillings. So it's kind of, you know, how much you're making. Um, and hopefully well, you stay well, out it, of bronze <laughs> for as right. long as you so can. So yeah. it works that way for gold. Yes. But like if you're gold one or gold two, you, that's what you get. Correct. But if you're like brass three um, or silver two, like for silver two, you would roll 2d10. Yeah. Oh, and correct. Get, yes. Yeah, yeah. So. Correct. Yeah. Um, you can definitely change status. Let's say you're like a noble. You're kind of expected in the game to keep that status. Like you stay at the best room in the inn. Uh, yeah. Your clothes are always clean. Yeah, and you, you come yeah, strolling into town with dirty clothes, maybe your status will drop. I think that you stole those clothes off a dead nobleman, yeah. you know, kind of. Right. So. Or use them, tie them together and use them as a rope. Yeah. I mean, right, if you have to. On the flip side, you brought up beggar, right? Um, eventually, a beggar is, once they accumulate enough wealth to do something else or, you know, as soon as they're not a beggar, their status level is going to go up a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, with earning money with the status, of course, that goes back to, you know, depending on what level of your career, you know, gold, gold four, silver three, you know, that depends on how much monetary wealth you get when the time comes to get paid. 
that pretty much wraps up the careers and the levels. Uh, there's not much more than that. Uh, there's just a little one more part. Every career you get based off the level, you'll see little icons. And those are kind of the stats that you can increase. So when you start off with the level one character, there's there, there's three of them that you can start off with advancing right, right away. Yeah. Um, as you move up, you know, you have your different icons of that specific section that you can increase. So you can't increase everything, yeah, but which which yes. is can have really big implications in game. If you start out and have a really low weapon skill, for example, if your career doesn't let you advance in that, it's going to be really hard yes. for you to to boost that up. Right. So, and even at level four, there are still four characteristics that you will not have an opportunity to advance correct, without yep. moving into an entire different career. As you move up in levels, you get access to more characteristics you yep. can increase, yep. but. And as you move up in level, you have to increase them even more in order to complete that career. Team. Yeah. So Great. yeah, just looking at the apothecary, which is the first one listed as a tier one, uh, they can only upgrade their toughness, dexterity, and intelligence. Level two gets them fellowship. Level three lets you uh, upgrade your uh, initiative, and then lastly, it's willpower. But the, again, like you said, Lance, that leaves four and four significant. Uh, characteristics if you're talking about being in battle weapon skill ballistic skill strength and agility not being able to touch those right i love it i love it it's it's one of the things i just love about this system is it's the way that your characters are created and how they work it's it's awesome so uh moving on to the skills and talents chapter so uh skills and talents is Essentially, it goes through like some basic rules and how to understand the skills and talents and then just list them out. There are a few things in here that uh, everyone should be kind of aware of that that works is the difference between uh, basic and advanced skills and group skills and specializations. So uh, a basic skill is essentially you, any of the skills that are listed on your character sheet are going to be basic skills. But you can also check out the skills chapter. It will tell you if it's basic. A basic skill can be attempted by anyone, even if you've never bought advances in it. So even though I, I've never bought advances in climb, still I still have the basic ability to right. attempt to climb something. Just so, yeah, based all on of my... these are are things that your average living being, sentient being, is going to be able to know how to do, right? Or at least attempt to do. They right. might not know how to do it well, based on the characteristic, but hey, they can attempt it. Right, and then you have other ones that are advanced skills, and those you can only attempt if you have some sort of advance in an advanced skill. Uh, for example, swimming, right? You dropped me in the middle of the ocean, and I didn't know how to swim. I ain't going to last long, right? But in addition, you have grouped skills and specializations. Now, this can get a little confusing depending on if the group skill is a basic skill or advanced skill, but basically a group skill indicates that there are multiple specializations that you can choose. So for example, you might have the one I keep going back to always is stealth, right? Stealth has is a group skill. So is it it has three different examples there. You have stealth rural, stealth urban, and stealth underground. And as a skill, it means when you advance in that skill, you're going to choose am I going to advance which of those three am I going to get advances in? Now, with advanced skills, it's pretty simple. So, for example, a good advanced skill that's an example of this is language, right? So if I have language Bretonian and I put advances in that, just because I have language Bretonian doesn't mean I can also, you know, test on language Wastelander. They, they're separate skills. However, when a group skill is also a basic skill, it's an interesting situation. So I might buy, for example, Stealth Rural. And I might have five or ten advances in that. So if I'm in the country and I need to make a stealth check, that's what the GM's going to call for. But if I'm underground, stealth underground would be what would be called for. Because it's a basic skill, I can still test stealth, but I would have to test on my basic characteristic if I haven't bought any specific advances into stealth underground. You know, in the example I use, I only put advances into stealth rural. So... It took me a second to get my head around that, but once I got it, I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, because just because they're essentially the same thing does not mean that trying to be stealthy in an urban environment is anywhere similar to being stealthy in, in a rural environment or underground. Right. Right. Just like with languages, just because you know language doesn't mean you know every language and how well do you know those languages. Right. 
so skills. So basically it goes through and lists skills, all the skills in the game. I mean, we're not going to go over each one, but I thought we might each kind of give our favorite skill so far that we're just like loving. Because some of these skills are pretty unique in the way. It's not like a lot of games where like this is a skill and you just test it to see if you succeed. A lot of them have a lot of little quirks and sub rules that make them very fun and interesting. So uh, what did you guys come up with? What's your favorite skill, Matt? Speaking of quirks and sub rules and tables, I think my favorite is I've got two. My Probably my favorite one is consume alcohol. Uh, because too. of the stinking drunk table that you can <laughs> roll on. So the more you drink, you roll a D10, and that'll determine what potentially could happen in your drunken stupor, including waking up the next day, being massively hungover with little memory of what transpired. I think that, that could be really fun to role play. Uh, <laughs> oh, my, to role play? Oh, yes. sorry. Yeah, oh, I would sorry. not be. Uh, trust oh. me, it's not fun in real life. <laughs> in role playing, is a different story, though. The other one I really liked was entertain which is where you get to mm, uh, delight one. crowds with spoken word or any number of things. <clears throat> and again, I think about how as a player or as a GM, I could work that into a, a, uh, an adventure. Nice. I guess my favorite would be heal. Uh, it's, <laughs> it could come in so handy at specific moments when you're at that borderline. Uh, and of course, pick, pick locks. Hey, no out there, heal is an advanced skill. So when you're putting your group together, think about that. I yes. Think, like how it might be important for that somebody. Somebody, that. please. I think it's Have very heal. telling about how like we think about the game, perhaps. How I think it's the coolest thing is getting drunk and then stumbling around and making people happy. <laughs> and Steve is like, well... Maybe we should have somebody who can heal the <laughs> dozens of wounds we're going to get every time we play. Right. Well, I'm sorry, Steve, but on this one, my favorites also consume alcohol. <laughs> it's just hilarious how it works. Like, I, I plan to bring that to a game near you soon. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so I expect nothing less. So the next, uh, the next section that we uh, have is talents. And it's basically a list of talents all out. And they all have different effects on the game. But there's some really interesting talents, and I'm going to ask for favorite talents as well in a second here. But one thing I wanted to mention, and I somehow just read past this the first several times I read, but your talents have a breakdown where they will give you two different things generally. They're going to give you like the name of the talent, but they list the max. You can take talents more than once, which is a really unusual thing for most systems. Um, Not all talents can be taken more than once. Several of them have a maximum of one, which means you can only take it one time. But several will have things like your initiative bonus number of times you can take it, which means you can buy a talent multiple times and it will have greater effect. Now, depending on what that effect is, will depend specifically on what the talent is and what it does and what the description tells you it does. But another thing, and this is the thing I completely missed, was that they give you a test like um several of the talents will give you tests and it will tell you a specific skill test that you might use this talent for so for example i'm just pulling one up here lip reading and it says perception test uh concerning this talent which is just a fancy way to say if you're trying to lip read and you're doing a perception test to do that this talent would apply now one of the cool things that works in this is the number of advances you have in a talent that has that kind of skill listed out there equals plus one success level for each um, time you've bought that talent. So in the example that I just read for lip reading, if I had bought that talent three times, then if I'm testing to read someone's lip from like across the CD tavern or something, I automatically get plus three success levels. So I could fail that I could fail that test by two success levels and still pass it because I have the talent. Three nice. times. I don't know about you guys, but I completely oh, yeah. missed that when I read yeah. that through. Well, that's one of those little things that's important for sure. Right. And it's it's hugely important, but it's really cool. So anyway, I want to go through around the table two. What were you guys' favorite talents that you saw? And and I have like six of them. Yeah, I wrote down, down three. Oh, well. But <laughs> I kept it to two. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you, why don't you go first? This time, okay. Uh, my first one is Furious Assault here. Um, mm. I, I just like it because once per round, if you hit an opponent in close combat, you may immediately spend it in advantage, which I plan to get a lot of, or your move to make an extra attack. That's handy because sometimes you hit an opponent, you only take it down a certain amount of wounds. Had you just had three more wounds, it would be dead. Right. And 
you know, if you don't do that, of course, the next turn, they might kill you. Right. So all those people out there that are sad that the attacks characteristic went away, and I know there's only like maybe three or four of you, um, here you go. This is yep. the talent you need to get those extra That's attacks. That's what you need to yeah. get. And then uh, my secondary is luck. Um, uh. You can never underestimate how many fortune rerolls you can make. <laughs> you even, would know this, yes, Steve. Yes, I would know. So uh, basically, your maximum fortune points equal your current fate points plus a number of times you've taken luck. So if you add three points to luck, uh, that's wonderful. I mean, that could bring it up. If you have four fortune points, I could bring it up to seven. I have to admit, this is a one of the, in my opinion, if I have access to this talent with my character, it is a must-buy. Sure. Like top of my list. Fortune points are oh, they're so useful. Yeah. And yeah. they replenish. Right. Perfect. Was that your three? That was my two. That's it. Oh, two. That's yep. right. You had two. So Matt had three. <laughs> Again, so. <laughs> what were your three? I just, no, I just love this because the two you picked were about attacking and having more fortune. Both <laughs> super important things that are going to come up multiple times in play. My number one favorite is Blather, uh, which is where you basically <laughs> can talk somebody into stunning them. Which is just <laughs> filibustering essentially exactly. to a person yes. to the point where they are just zoned out. Many of our politicians have bought this talent so many, many times. times. <laughs> so that that again just seemed like a lot of fun thinking about using that in play, right? You need right. to distract somebody while well, I'm just gonna start talking and then we'll see where it ends up. My second favorite is Diceman or Diceman, which is where you have the ability to do sleight of hand and uh, some like trickery when it comes to playing dice games, uh, a dicing master and all claims that you cheat are clearly wrong. So <laughs> another way to just, <laughs> yeah, just, just be, have fun right in the, in this, the world and in the setting. Awesome. Was that your list? Yeah. I also put down, well, doomed is really fun. Doomed, I, like, I have yeah, doomed on mine too. Yeah. Because that's a base talent for every human. I, I didn't, I kind of glanced over that one, but doomed is, is, amazing basically you were you were told at a young age that you were going to die you know in a certain way in a, in a cryptic saying and if turns out in game if you do die that way then your next character gets a boatload of extra xp right like half of what you yeah got yeah that's awesome yeah and i did like magnum opus as well where you are a you have created something that is so above reproach that everybody basically just looks at it in awe yeah that's cool yeah those are good i also had doomed is one of mine just i love i love doomed it's it's a great thing i actually had criminal is one of mine criminal is really cool because depending on like your level within the career or the uh, talent it will increase the amount of money you can get doing your income but you know it's all shady, and it increases your standing amongst other criminals. But not—it's just a cool way to handle like the seedy underbelly, the, right? The underground world, right? Right? Like how there's like their own set of status, and uh, yeah, that's cool. Another one I loved is Holy Visions. This one is cool. I'm just gonna read this one. You clearly see the great works of the gods around you. You automatically know when you enter holy ground, and may take an intuition test to receive visions, often obscure and seen through the pangram of your cult or individual belief system regarding the local area of significant events that have occurred there in the past. Dude. Awesome. That, as a GM, I can't wait till somebody has that. Yeah. Right? Because that's just... Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, as soon as as soon as you know one of your players has that, it's like then yep. guess where you're going? Right into a graveyard the first time that right. you can, or into a, whatever holy site I'm gonna make. Like it's it will happen. It's not yep. when if it's when. Yeah. So yeah, yep. um, I also liked uh, super identity or secret identity. I thought that one was cool. The other one I think super numerate. I don't know if you guys saw that, but it basically calls out in the rules you like can do crazy math in your head you are allowed to have a calculator at the table to do certain wow. math <laughs> yeah. it's just like what yes math? yeah <laughs> that's cool like i i mean and as a gm to me that's a challenge all right how can i make that that talent like be super meaningful to the table i don't know that's just i just thought that was cool anyway that's skills and talents just a few oh yeah cool ones there's lots this, of good ones in there yeah we'll definitely be digging you know just as a reminder to our listeners we're going to be digging much deeper into all this stuff on a future date we're just quickly uh, going through the book. 
Okay, so I think I think we're gonna have to cut it there, guys. Like this is we're already pushing There's a lot. Yeah, yeah, we're pushing a lot here. So, and that means our next episode we're gonna start getting into like the crunchy core rules, rules like, combat. Yeah, combat, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So but that's awesome. We'll, we'll you guys can look forward to that. We'll be coming out with that real quick. So far, nobody's sick, so hopefully we won't have a big delay, right? Um, like last time. So. That's going to be the end of our show tonight. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you found 4th edition as exciting as we did and that you can get it into your table soon. So be sure to tell us how it goes. Our next episode is going to be our second actual play uh, recording for 4th edition. So you can join Conrad, Lynn, and Otto. As and Heinrich. They, and Heinrich, that's true. And Heinrich. We don't want to forget Heinrich. Good old hag. <laughs> as they explore. And, and maybe Carl. You'll have to maybe Carl. See. We'll see. Carl. Short Wait. scene. Who's, who's Carl? Oh, so, Precisely. wait, I'm the GM. I should know that. <laughs> hey, they're in a cave. Things are happening. Check it out. In our next discussion episode, though, we're going to be doing our part two of our three-part review of the core rulebook. So be sure to join us. So, intrepid listeners, keep in touch. Let us know your questions, feedback, and even topic suggestions. You can contact us multiple ways by checking out our website at www.oldworldpodcast.com. Twitter at Old World Podcast and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Old World Podcast. Yeah, we're actually starting to get a minor presence on Instagram as well. So nice. if you want to see some pictures of us at cons and recording, you can check us out there too. Cool. Also, we love hearing feedback. That's been one of the most rewarding things in this whole process is hearing people tell us things are doing good, things are doing bad, all those good things. So if you've got feedback, we'd love to hear it and visit iTunes or your preferred podcast service and rate us. Every review helps us reach more and more Warhammer fans and we appreciate it. Yes, we, we do. really do. Mm-hmm. All right. This is Lance saying good night and may all your characters die according to their dooming. This is Matt. If you're going to consume alcohol, try to stay off the stinking drug table. This is Steve. Happy adventuring. May your salts be furious and your luck be pure. This podcast and related website are completely unofficial and are not endorsed by Games Workshop Limited or Cubicle 7 Entertainment. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. GW Games Workshop, Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and all associated logos, illustrations, images, names, creatures, races, vehicles, locations, weapons, characters, and the distinctive likenesses thereof are registered trademarks of Games Workshop Limited, Cubicle 7 Entertainment, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio or video information, is the intellectual property of the Old World Podcast and Crimson Tower Studios, LLC.